0: Get ready to write, get ready to put something down. We welcome all those. We welcome our Jersey campus. What a blessing, all of the home fellowship groups. What a blessing to have every one of you joining us today and those that are with us today. It's to me one of the craziest phrases found in the entire Bible. I've, I've, when I read this, I was dumbfounded. It's found in 2 Kings and it's associated with the people of God. And it's associated also with a brand new king that took the throne at one of the lowest times of Israel's history. His name was Josiah. And in fact, he followed two very, very wicked kings that plummeted the entire nation into um, just such evil and, and, and really just away and apart from God. And this man comes in and led by the Holy Spirit begins to clean house. And the first place he starts Is where God always starts. With his own house. And while they are cleaning. The house. God's house. I want you to see a verse. Just reading one verse to you. From 2 Kings 22.8. I want to read this to you. This is what it says. Then Hilkiah the high priest. Said to Shaphan the scribe. Listen to these words. I have found the book of the law. In the house of the Lord. Okay. Let me say that phrase again, because some of you missed it. I have found the book of the law. I have found the Bible in the house of the Lord. Okay, listen close. If you found it, that means you must have lost it. And they didn't lose it on the streets. They didn't lose it in Times Square. They didn't lose it in the projects. They lost it in God's house. Think of that for a second. Can anything sound crazier? He was saying, I found the Bible in the house of the Lord. That that to me is unbelievable. They lost the Bible in church is really what happened. Which means, listen close, always remember this. When God's word is missing, God's voice is missing. Let me say that again. When God's word is missing and God's voice is missing. And let let me pause for a second. I'm so grateful every time I walk in here, so grateful for every volunteer that's serving with TSC kids, everyone that's in the gold jackets that help you sit down and help and greet you through the door, the choir that volunteers to sing up here and bless us every single Sunday. But let me pause for just a second and let's just take this passage and just begin to give it to the volunteers for just a moment because they were faithfully at that time doing stuff in God's house without hearing faithfully God's voice think of that for a second which is so important which means working at church is not a substitute for sitting under God's word. that just because you sing about Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you know Jesus And can I just remind you, as much as we are so grateful for every gold coat person in this place, those gold coats are not magic. They don't bring anybody closer to God. They have a responsibility not to just do activity, but they have a responsibility to hear God's word for themselves. Keep this in mind. Activity is not intimacy. Activity is, some of you are going like, this is going to be hard. Where is Pastor Carter? Okay, stay with me for just a moment. Okay. Because I want to challenge you today with this, that you can be scurrying around this place, playing instruments, helping children, leading our youth and shriveling up in your soul. Because what they did was they lost the Bible in the house of God. They lost the Bible in church. It would be funny if it wasn't true. And that's what the Bible said. It's like saying, I lost my child in my home. Or I lost the meal in the restaurant. It doesn't even make sense. But thanks to Josiah. That we started to see a change take place. They lost the book of God. They lost God's book in God's house. And what a warning for us today. What a warning for every one of us. That sits on this stage. Because we have to have the commitment. To God's word today. Not just from a stage. But every single day of our lives. And just to be safe. To make sure to see where we're at today. I'm going to do a little test with you. Take out. I was going to say take out your hands. But take out your fingers right now. Just put them off to your side. Just put them off to your side. And I'm going to ask you. Start with zero on both hands. I'm going to read to you about 10 or 12 phrases. And and I don't want you to show anybody. Because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. I'm going to read to you 10 or 12 phrases. And I want you to put a finger up. If you think that phrase is in the Bible. Get ready. Don't show anybody. So I watched somebody went underneath their coat. They went, I'm not showing anybody. So just get ready. Just put a finger up. If you think this is in the Bible, here we go. You ready? I'll go through them fast. Cleanliness is next to godliness. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Hate the sin. Love the sinner. The devil made me do it. We are all God's children. Think before you speak. God won't give you more than you can handle. God helps those who help themselves. Confession is good for the soul. There go I, but for the grace of God. Money is the root of all evil. Honesty is the best policy. Spare the rod, spoil the child. The Lord works in mysterious ways. This too shall pass. Don't show anybody your hands. Okay, here it is. How many are in the Bible? None of them. None of them. Some of you are going like, oh, <laughs> none of those are in the Bible. Here's, here's where we have to be challenged by Jesus today, because the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples was follow me. And some of you are brand new With following Jesus. You may have been born again at the 6 6 p.m. service. And maybe someone has brought you to the church. in one of the services. You made a decision to follow Jesus. But I want to challenge you with another challenge. A second challenge that Jesus gave to the disciples. In fact it was in his last sermon. Called basically called the, the upper room discourse. John 14, 15 and 16. And Jesus switched from follow me to a different command. And here's where the difference came. So when you started, it was follow me. Get this now. Then he switches it on them and says, since you're following me, get it. He says, abide with me or abide in me, which means, listen to me close. He says, now that you're following the word abide means to spend time with. Now he's saying you chose to do this. Now I'm looking for time with you. Time that you can have, whether it's in prayer, whether, and, and today, in God's word, so we're not losing God's book in God's house. And this is the challenge for us, that, that I think God is going, I want to challenge you not only to follow me, but I want to challenge you to abide in me. If you were to go to one of the most iconic national parks in America called Yellowstone, out on the, in the West, There is a confusing sign and a sign that many people don't really obey all the time. And and it simply says this, don't feed the bears. That's what it says. It would seem that we would know what that means. You don't want them coming up close, but that's, that's what we would think it means. In fact, when you ask a park ranger, how come you, we shouldn't feed them. It's the secondary reason is you don't want to be that up close with a bear. The primary reason is this. If you feed them, listen to this, they will die. That doesn't even make sense. And here's what they say. If you feed them, then when the winter comes, they lose their ability to find food for themselves. And if the only way we get fed is from here, and we don't learn how to feed ourselves... When those difficult times come, we have to find a way to feed ourselves and to realize that this can't be our only meal, that God has to challenge us. That's why this is so important. You can't just eat once a week and survive. That's why it's so important to understand the Bible is meant, is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for occasional parties. Oh, that's good, Pastor Tim. Thank you for sharing that. And we come on Sundays eating cake when the word should be bread every single day for our lives. It's from the Huffington Post. Let me read to you what the article said. Title of the article, America Loves the Bible, but doesn't read it very much. It says this, 88% of those that responded to their survey of the thousands and thousands of people, they said 88% own a Bible. And in fact, the average household has 4.4 Bibles. And they said that 60% of those that have a Bible, 60% read it four times a year. That's cake reading. That's not bread use. And they said the younger they get, the higher that number goes up to three and two times a year which is so dangerous for every single one of us. And so I want to just take a few moments. I am i have to just tell you something. Here's my confession. I'm not very deep. I'm just a practical guy that wants to get people from A to B, B to C. And so when I say the word Bible, I actually mean the Bible. There's not like a secret meaning. You don't. I don't, I don't need you to read it with the Jewish prayer cloth. I don't need you to do read it with, I just want you to, I just want you to feed yourself. I want you to begin to understand that this is great when we can preach the word when pastor David, pastor Carter, pastor Teresa, pastor Patrick preaches today, we're going to hear God's viewpoint of marriage from pastor Nick. So exciting to hear those things, but we have six other days that we have to feed ourselves. And so today, I want to challenge you with an iconic verse that though the verse is associated with one book of the Bible, I think it's a great grid for us to begin to see how this works for all 66 books of the Bible. I really believe that. In fact, I believe, okay, so let me pause for a second. I had the greatest opportunity a few weeks ago. I was with Pastor David Hamm and Pastor Carter in Mexico. We did a pastors conference together we stood in the place of pastor Gary Wilkerson because he was just recovering from surgery and so it, as he was recovering pastor Carter myself and pastor David went pastor David i'm just telling you pastor David Ham is awesome he's like the real deal i'm just telling you but he's also he's pretty hip and so he taught me a word that I just thought, oh my goodness, I'm, wait till I get home and tell my kids. I just, because like, I'm the one, because my kids don't think I am. So I'm, so I'm just going, Pastor David hooked me up. And so, but it didn't start with like, I'm going to teach you. It started with, I was a little going like, man, I don't know if you're supposed to say that. And it was, he said something about Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa. I was going like, whoa, bro, bro. And he told them, he goes, oh my goodness. When they preached, I walked up to them. I said, you're a goat. I said, what? You shouldn't say that. This, we're Christians. And he goes, Pastor Tim, that is the word. Goat means, how many, how many have ever heard that word before? Would you rage? Yeah, like some of you going like, we're going to kill him after the service. Until he told me what it means. Goat means the greatest of all time. So if someone calls you to go, don't fight, say thank you. So, so, but he, he, also gave me parameters with the word. He said, here are the parameters. You can't use it all the time because if you use it all the time, then it loses its power. So he says, if you talk about Michael Jordan, he's the goat. If you talk about Roger Federer, he's the goat. If you talk about Tiger Woods, he's the goat. If you talk about Muhammad, he's the, of that sport, of that. So when he called Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa the GOAT, I just go, wow. So I'm just, I came in and going, greatest of all time. That is, look at your name and go, you the GOAT. Tell them that right now. Just say, you the GOAT. And don't use it again. That's it. Just stop. So what I want to do is, thank you, Pastor Dave. I told my kids, I said, I got a word for you. And I went home, and my, my, my kids go, That's like a year old. Don't ever use that word. That's what they told me. So thanks. So I just want to say. He's not that hip. Okay. I just want to say that. So I'm going home. Going you to go. They go please. It's like last year's word. And so it's horrible having teenagers. So they'll keep you in line. I don't even have to pray for humility. Just have teenagers. So. I want you, as we talk about feeding ourselves, I want you to go to the goat of all the passages that I can give you today, which is found in the book of Revelation. And here is the the verse that is associated with those that read Revelation. But I have to believe this is a great grid for not just reading the book of Revelation, but for reading the revelation of God in his book. And I believe that there is a grid here that can challenge us to feed ourselves, that we we leave this place, that we can begin to say, God, if this is your book, if this is you, the last thing we want to do is lose. And I think we will lose the Bible. We will lose God's word in God's house if we don't teach you what to do the other six days of the week. I really do. And that's why I want to challenge you today. So Revelation, this this is the way John starts off the book. And I want to read it to you out of this way. I'm going to read it to you out of a paraphrase. He says this, Happy is the one who reads this book. Happy are those who listen to the words of this prophetic message. And happy is the one that obeys what is written in this book. O-M-G. Let me just tell you that right now. Think of that for just a second. What an incredible way to look at the word of God. Read this book. Listen to this book. Obey this book. Wow. Could it be any simpler than that? Other than the last one, think about it, read this book, listen to this word or listen to this book and begin to obey what's written. And this is what he says. I want to teach you. If you want to go into this year and say, God, I want this to be the happiest year I've ever had. He just gave you the prescription. He just said, if I can get you to do this, He says, you don't need prescription drugs. You don't need to get a mate. You don't need to go. If I can just change my single status, if I can just go ahead and tick off on my, my, my social media, I'm in a relation all of a sudden we think everything is going to be happy for us. I'm telling you, he starts off and say, you can find the happiness you need. When you start hearing what God has to say to your life personally, listen to the first part again. Happy is the one. That word is blessed. It's the same word that was used on the Sermon on the Mount, on the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he now begins to say, if you can begin that Bible that you're bringing with you, be it on your iPad, your, your, your phone, or whether, whether you are carrying a book actually to church, which, which it, it, whatever version you bring here, he promises you that your happiness increases when your Bible reading increases. He says, your happiness will increase when your obedience increases. He says, your happiness will increase when you listen to this word being taught to you every single day. He says, this is is not rocket science. This is amazing. That's why I believe what Spurgeon said. Listen to this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who's not falling apart. I believe that. And that's why I want to just take that For just a second, because I want you today, I'm going to give you a challenge today that we don't lose this book in this house. And I want to give you a challenge today, taking these three things as our grid. Let's read this book. Let's listen to this book. Let's obey this book. And so I want to challenge you as simple as I can. I want to make it as plain as I can and walk you through this today. Everybody ready to go through this? Okay, here we go. Number one, write this down. We're going to to read this book. One of the 19th century preachers that I've enjoyed his commentaries on the New Testament named J.C. Ryle said this, no one ever said at the end of his days, I've read my Bible too much, or I thought of God too much, or I've prayed too much. No one has ever said that. In fact, one one of his final interviews before he passed on to go be with the Lord just last week, Dr. Billy Graham said this when they asked him about regret. He said this, he said, if I had to live my life over again, Graham said he would spend more time immersed in the word of God. The greatest regret that I have, listen to this 99 year old man who did this just a few years before he passed away. The greatest regret that I have is that I didn't read the word of God more. I regret it because now I feel at times I am empty when I wish I would have been full in my hardest times. Think of that for a second. This is Dr. Billy Graham who's saying this. What this is what really begins to challenge us. So let me pause for a moment here and just say this to you. How many still bring to to church an actual Bible? I mean, it's not on you. Hold, hold, okay, just wanna make sure. Okay, perfect. I I wanna tell you, I wanna help you with the best color Bible you can have. How many have a black one? So, okay, how many have a pink one? Okay, don't raise your hand. Okay, the best color Bible, oh, there's, there's like aqua blue, like swimming pool blue. Okay, very good. We know you're there. Um, the best color Bible you can have is a red one, R-E-A-D. And that would be the best Bible you can have. Boom. I do that for my kids because they go, stop, dad, stop. I just did that purpose. That's for you, just to prove that we're not hip. The Bible is like a telescope. If a man looks through his telescope, he sees worlds beyond. If he looks at his telescope, he doesn't see anything. And there's a, and the Bible is a thing to be looked through so he can see what's beyond what God is saying in heaven. But most people only look at it and it's only a dead letter. It's only a book. And the challenge for us is not to look at it, but to look through that word. And that's why I want to challenge you today to get a renewed taste for his word. When I, when I, I come from an Italian family and, and, and so food was a huge thing in our family. I don't think my mom and dad for all the dinners we had ever read a label in their life they never looked to see how much fat grams or how much they never read a thing I mean just to give you an idea my dad till the day he passed away would eat his cereal with heavy cream I was going like so there was never there was never like let's eat healthy never in our family was that but until I got married oh And the worst of it, the worst of it, my wife is an athlete. She's, she's eats health. And so I'll never forget when she started buying 2% milk, I was going, really, really? I come from a family with heavy cream and the cereal hold. And what was bothering me was where we really had it out was you can't even dip your Oreos in 2% milk. It just kind of It's like white water. You just kind of put it in the like, it doesn't even stick. There's supposed to be a line. There's no line. There's no. I said, really? We can't do. I said, I love you, I'm committed to the end, but seriously, how are we supposed to eat cookies when you're serving me white water? And here's what's amazing. As much as I disliked it, she still bought it, and after a while, I started to like it. then when I went home, they gave me whole milk. I'm going, Ooh, what is this? Because once you start doing it, you start getting a taste for it and realize, Oh my goodness, this is something that I can begin to go because it's habit forming. When you begin to give yourself each day, it will be habit forming. I saw on a Bible one time, a warning label put on a Bible, and the warning label said this, warning, Bible reading can be habit-forming. Putting the principles into practice can cause loss of anxiety, decreased appetite for lying, cheating, stealing, hating, and symptoms of growing sensations of love and peace and joy and compassion will rise up inside of you. I go, that's a warning label. So, Pastor Tim, where do I start? We're still on just point one. Read the Bible. Where do I start? Okay, keep this in mind. God feeds the birds, but he doesn't throw the worms in the nest. God's not flinging worms every day. You have to begin to take a few steps here. So can I help you practically with a few steps? Here we go. If you were to just speak conversationally, And go from, and just read conversationally of what you would do in a conversation from Genesis to Revelation. Just read it, just straight through. You ready for this? You can complete the Bible in 12 minutes a day in one year. It literally will take you 70 hours to read the Bible without stopping. That's the challenge. So, what, what I want you to do is let me, I know we tell you to put it away, but I want you just for a second, if it's handy, pull out your phone right now. Don't text. Just, here's what I want, you. I want you to find. I want you to find the, 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 your alarm on that. Then I want you to find the stopwatch. And here's all I want you to do. I want you to put 12 minutes in that. And you want to know something? You take each day, hit 12 minutes on that stopwatch, and read for 12 minutes. In one year, it's done. One minute. I mean, one year... 12 minutes a day, that's it. That means when you get on the F train, boom, 12 minutes and you need it on the F train. I'm telling you that from experience of all the trains, F train, those people from Queens. So what happens is, oh, I'm telling you, I'm from, that's where I lived. Here's, here it is, 12 minutes. And I'm telling you, when you start doing that, all of a sudden it becomes habit forming. You start, just start in Genesis. I watched, I watched my, my children. I, I talked to my two teens about this and they go, we were on it. We got it. And, I, and, and, I can tell you the greatest choice for me is watching my 15 year old and my 17 year old walking away going, Oh, 12 minutes. I got to go. There was one, one day I'm looking at my son and he goes, I see 36. He goes, I skipped three days. So they was going for 36 minutes is what he was doing. But see, those who only sample the Bible never really acquire a taste for the Bible. And that's why I want to challenge you today. 12 minutes, 12 minutes can literally be life-changing. And here is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out, helps us to do what's right. It's God's way of making us well-prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to every single person. That's what Paul says the Bible can do for us. And in fact, can I just challenge you with this today? You may be here, and I understand not everybody sitting here or listening is even a Christian, but I want to challenge those that may not even have chosen to follow Jesus today. I want to promise you something, because I'm of the belief that the 19th century um, preacher Charles Spurgeon said, he said, defend the Bible. He said, defend the Bible. Forget about it. He says, the Bible is like a lion. Just let it out of the cage. It'll defend itself. And so here's what I believe. I want to challenge you. If you're not even a Christian, if you're going like, Hey, I came here because of a friend who asked me, I want to challenge you with something. You may not even be a believer in this place. You may not be a follower of Jesus. And sometimes you would say believer. And we'd go like, believe in what? Let's just call it a follower of Jesus. And if you're here today, I want to challenge you with this. Maybe you're listening on a podcast or maybe you're going to listen on a webcast but let me let me say this give God a week read that word I want to promise you you're going to get happier when you open up that Bible you're going to you're opening up a supernatural book I challenge you open it up give it a shot and watch what God can do some of you going like oh it's just a book oh it's not just a book because this author is still alive. <laughs> and this author can literally change people's lives. And that's why I want to challenge you with doing that. So the first thing I would just want to ask you to do is just go, hey, I'm going to take those 12 minutes. I'm going to go through that. When I get on a train, when I, or maybe it's listening for 12 minutes as you're making a commute and driving out, getting the Bible and, and listening to it on, on, on in your car, on, 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 your, on your phone, whatever it may be. I'm just telling you the promise is true. Happy are those who read this book. The second thing he says is this. Listen to these words. So I was on the phone a couple weeks ago. And right in the middle of a morning phone call. I'm hearing my phone beeping. And I'm going, what? I said, I do what everybody does at night. You lay down and you plug the cord in. To your phone how many do that every single night you plug your cord in so when you wake up it says 100 percent on the phone and so I look down and it says five percent I'm going what and I was I was took my kids recently to Old Navy and it was, I was walking through I saw a dollar charging cord I'm going oh I'm all over that I'm going like Old Navy messed it up and it and it wasn't do you know what happened when I went to bed that night I took the cord and stuck it between my phone case and the slot that you put. Anybody ever do that before? And all of a sudden I woke up the next day, taking a phone call, hearing the beeping saying, your battery's low. This phone is about to turn off. And you know what I was wanting it to do? I was wanting it to be all that it can be with one charge. I was wanting it to last for two days and only giving it a charge for one day. I was thinking that all that I had to do yesterday was, was going to begin to carry on into today. And I realized if I can't even charge up my phone, what about my own soul? Because if the only charge you get is walking into Times Square Church, plugging it in, I have to tell you that may last on Sunday, but Monday's coming. And if you don't stick in that charger and go, God, 12 minutes, Pastor Tim said 12 minutes, that's going to begin to start the ha- habit forming. Because if you think what Pastor David Ham says, what Pastor Patrick says, or what Pastor Nick or Pastor Carter says is enough charge to keep you for the week, you have you mistaken of what that is. If my phone can't last the day, my soul can't last the day unless it's plugged up to the right thing. See, that's why listening to this word begins to change some things inside of us. See, to me, when I hear these words, listening to his words, I, I do see it as preaching and the unpacking of the scriptures. I, I, really, I, I really do see it that way. I know it can go in different directions on this. But but I think what he's saying is, if there's power of life and death, Proverbs 18 is found in the tongue and in the words that I need to make sure that this gate that's bringing life and death into it every single day has a constant flow of life into this. And that's the challenge in a city like this. And we have to open up these ears for a constant flow of life being poured into that. And that's why this is so important. You need to know what's getting through that ear gate. If you hear the word of God, then all of a sudden it begins to affect the soul because it's life and death that's there. It's it's by hearing the word of God. It's it's I think I think it's finding that when you hear a Pastor Carter preach or a Pastor Teresa or any of these elders that will be preaching here. I think what happens is, is that all of a sudden it starts putting pieces together. It starts connecting the dots sometimes. I, 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 I believe that it helps us. To start declaring what we're supposed to declare. And realizing I need to understand. I need to get this word inside of me. So I can begin to speak life myself. I have a friend that I'm kind of walking him and his wife through. And he was telling me about his coach. He, He catches an MLB. And he was telling me about his coach. And he has a coach for one of the teams that played 30 years ago. And he wasn't a great player, but he got called up um, from, from minor leagues to play pro ball. And so he is, he is from the Midwest, never been out of the country. And 30 years ago, when there was um, not just the Toronto Blue Jays, but there were the Montreal Expos even in Canada, he said he got called up by the Cincinnati Reds. And he said it was his first time that he got called up. And he was not only going to play... In his first major league game. But he was going to go out of the country for the very first time. The team was already in Montreal. Someone was on the injured reserve list. And so they called him up. And so he was flying to Canada. which is, To Montreal. For the very first time. Just had to get a passport. Never ever had to go through customs. In his life. So he gets there. The team is already there. And he's all by himself. And so at the customs. The, 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 the agent goes. Um what are you here for? He goes, well, I'm playing for the Cincinnati Reds and I'm playing against the Expos. He goes, well, why weren't you on the team playing? He says, well, I just got called up. And he felt it was a little sketchy. So he kind of looked him over and did the passport thing. And then finally, he just asked the question that all of us here who have traveled out of the country and so many of you have done this over and over again, the agent just goes, what do you have to declare? He has never heard that before in his life. He goes, excuse me? He goes, what do you have to declare without missing a beat Stephen goes I'm proud to be an American and he goes (laughs) they called security handcuffed him brought him in the back and he was late for his first major league baseball game because he didn't know what to declare See, when you are not in this word, you don't know what to declare. But when you get this word inside of you and you're put in a position, God's word goes from here to here and comes out through here because we know what to declare and we declare God's word in this place. Read this book. 12 minutes. My goodness. 12 minutes. How many would go? I said, Tim, I'm I'm willing to give that a shot. Would you raise your hand? 12 minutes. How many would do that? Okay. You're to go. Okay. Now put your hands down. (laughs) Number two, listen to these words. And let me close with this. And then he says, probably the hardest one. Obey these words. Obey what is written. Obey the words of this book. Listen to me close. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself men reject the bible because it contradicts them listen to me men don't men don't reject the bible because they find contradictions men reject the bible because it contradicts their lifestyle that's why they reject the bible this is important to understand because here is even a bigger challenge that if you begin to read this word i want to ask you a question what do you do listen everyone watching everyone listening what do you do when you come across a passage and it contradicts what you're doing what do you do so let me ask you even a better question when you read the word of God and it contradicts a worldview it contradicts a mindset it contradicts something maybe you have thought for so long and it contradicts here's the better question who wins Because I want to promise you, if you take the 12 minute challenge, you're going to be happier until you come to the contradiction part. And that's where you got to begin to understand how important this part is. So do you believe you or do you believe God? If when I'm speaking even and thinking about this, because when the Bible contradicts something, this is a really important part because we got to see who wins here. It was the great American novelist, Mark Twain, who said this. He says, most people are bothered by the passages of scripture they don't understand. But the passages that bother me are the ones I do understand. It's one thing to hear this word. It's one thing to read this word. But if you don't obey this word, it can become catastrophic. When you don't obey what God is saying to you. Okay, look at, look at me for a moment. When you don't obey what God is saying to you, then you are saying, you know better than God. You're saying, I know better than God on this topic. Think of it for just a moment. So when God gives and speaks to you from his word on finances and tithing, do you believe you or do you believe God? Do you, what do you, do you know better than God on love and sex, sex outside of the covenant of marriage? That if you're sitting in here today and you're in a relationship and it has gone further and it has gone into places where there's been no commitment and it's not the covenant of marriage, do you believe you? Do you believe your feelings or do you believe what God's word says? Do you do you know better than God on these topics? Let me ask you another question and close as Greg and the team come back to the instruments. Listen to me close. Do you know better than God on eternity? living forever and how to get to heaven do you know better than God you ready for this do you know better than God on how to get on the directions to his house do you know the directions to God's house better than God has told you I was reading the story of these two young boys that were, that were playing after school and they saw his old 95 year old grandmother studying the bible and finally he asked his friend about it he says why is your grandmother always reading the bible and he answered and said I don't know but I think she's cramming for her final (laughs) and that's pretty good we not only read we not only listen but it's the obedience part and here is the question When you begin today to leave this place, I want to make no mistake about this, is how you get to heaven. Jesus gives us directions to his father's house. Listen to me. Jesus, God in the flesh, gives directions to his father's house and says, no man, John 3.3 and John 3.5. Listen closely. Jesus said, the directions to my father's house called heaven here are the directions. No man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. That's Jesus's directions. Now, unless you know better than Jesus on directions to his father's house, this is where that contradiction may come. How, because Here's the question. The question is this. How do you get to heaven? How do you know when you die, you get to heaven? Well, I, I, I go to church. That's not what Jesus said. I haven't hurt anybody. That's not what Jesus said. I haven't killed anybody. I'm a pretty good person. That's not what Jesus said. Well, I'm a Catholic. I'm Jewish. I'm religious. I'm a Protestant. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, let me help you. There are no Protestants, Catholics, or Jews in heaven, only born-again people in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Okay, look at me. Those are his directions to his house. And so do you know better? No, I just, I just feel like you have to be a good person. Oh, so you know the directions. You Googled it. You know the directions to God's house. And this is where Jesus goes, if you want to go to heaven, here are the directions. A man and a woman must. Don't make it optional. He said you must John 3, 3, 3, 5, 3 6. You must be born again. Those are the directions. Okay, Pastor Tim. Okay, how does that happen? How do you do that? It's as simple as ABC as Greg comes and plays How Great Is Our God or Greg comes. <laughs> get peered. This is important. I want you to get this. It's as simple as ABC. A, admitting I'm a sinner. Something is broken on the inside something's not right. It's called sin. It's a, it's, it's none of us, none of us are born into this world as a floor model. Look at me. Assembly is required on every one of us. And the only one that can put us back together is God himself. It's admitting God No matter how much money you make, I don't care if you have a home in the Hamptons. I don't care if you live in the Bronx or you live in Jersey, It doesn't matter. There's one set of directions to God's house. And I start with A, admitting I'm a sinner. It's B, A, B, C. Believing that Jesus can fix me from the inside out. I wish coming to church fixes you. There's nothing magic about these red seats. There's nothing special about them. We're all broken people that needed Jesus to come in and fix us from the inside out. Every single one of us. Because here's the thing. Listen to me close. Because if you could fix yourself, then why would Jesus have to come and die on the cross for us? If your directions are, I just need to be a better person. I I need to do this. Then then God sending his son to die in my place and in your place was the biggest crime of humanity. Why would you put your son through that abuse if you could fix yourself? We can't fix ourselves. We need help. And God sent us his son to help us. To say you can't fix the sin issue. But my son is going to die in your place. And believing that Jesus died in my place. And see confessing him as Lord. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? That just means he's the boss now. That means when I read, when I put those 12 minutes in and I start reading this and it contradicts, I just go, I don't like it, but you're the boss. Hey, look at me for a second. God doesn't need God. People that find their way to heaven are not perfect people. It's just honest people. It's just going, man, I'm, I'm busted up. There's something not right on the inside. And Jesus has come to fix us from the inside out. So the question is this, how do I get to heaven? And you have to answer that. Think in your mind, how do I get to heaven? And if your directions contradict the directions of Jesus himself, we've got a contradiction. We've got a huge contradiction because folks, can I say this to you? in the annex, here, watching on our webcast, if we don't get this one right, we're in a lot of trouble. Because if we're sitting around this room going, we get to heaven by being religious, or by coming to church, or by being good, or not hurting anybody, or having a label of a certain Of a certain religion. Then all of us have 50 different ways of directions. And I think the way that knows. The the, the person that knows the best way to his father's house. Is Jesus himself. And he said you must be born again. I want you to bow your head with me please. Because some of you may have just gotten contradicted. On your directions to heaven today. Some of you may have gotten contradicted. And I want to tell you. I want to ask you the question. Then who wins? And I want to promise you today. Jesus who never lies. Jesus, who says, I love you, no matter what condition you're in today. Jesus, sent by his Father for me and for you, has promised that he would would not turn any person, any prayer, regardless of what you did last night, through the night, or this week, I will never turn a person away. That was his promise. And just as there is a day that I know I was born, on December 22nd, 1963, I was born, there has to be a definite day that you are born again. It's not a gradual thing. It is just as, it is just as dynamic as your physical birth is your spiritual birth. And today, on this day, you could be born again by Jesus today, by just asking him, just asking him. That's it. Well, what do I have to do? We ask him. That's the great thing. Well, do I have to get cleaned up? No, 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 no. Don't let, don't let people put you in that box. That's the wrong directions. You don't get cleaned up and come to God. It's the wrong directions. In all of the stuff that's going on in your mind, your heart, in your home, in your life, Jesus says, you come to me just like you are right now. He says, this is the way you get there. By simply asking. God goes, you can't get cleaned up and come to me. In fact, you can't even clean up enough and come to me. He says, I want you in the condition that you are and let me fix you from the inside out. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, when you, when you pray, because I'm just going to pray. When you pray that prayer. I I just realized today what the directions are to heaven. Just asking. And today is going to be a day. I'm going to be born again today. I just found out what the directions are. And that's been a little confused. Or maybe you've never heard the directions before. But today. Today. I just realized what the directions are. Inviting Jesus to come in. He fills a hole in the gap, forgives me of my sin. I'm not perfect, but the journey begins today. The journey begins today. And if you're here saying, Pastor Tim, I want to go to heaven. I want to be born again. Not a TSC'er, not a Protestant, not a Catholic. I want to be born again today. If that's you with no hesitation, raise your hand right now, quickly all over this place. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up that says, today, I want to be born again. If you raised your hand, stand to your feet right now. Just stand up. Just stand up. I'm going to ask you to do something. You're going to have a lot of people that are going to cheer you on. I know this is going to be a little hard for something. Just stand up right where you're at. I want you to stand up. And here's what I want. Come on. If that's you, just stand up. Just stand up. Here's what I want you to do. I want. Here's what we're going to do. If you're standing, I'm going to ask you to do something. In the annex. I, I don't want this. That you may go, oh, I'm so little Listen, you've got people that are cheering you on right now. And here's what I want you to do. If you're standing, I want you to come down here right now. I want to pray with you quickly. Just get out of your seat. You have incredibly pe- great people. And if it's a friend, say, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I don't want you to go by yourself. Balcony. Our ushers will help you. Our friend may go. I'll help you go down. This is a day to be born again today. You just learned directions to heaven. Come on you got folks that are going to cheer you on. Come on, those in the balcony. We are all for you today. This is a day. That's what they're doing. They're cheering for you today. Come on, you make your way down. This is a great day for you. We're going to wait for you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's stand as they come and sing how great is our God as they come. Come on, sing this as they come. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. And here's what we're going to do today. We're all going to pray this together out loud. Okay. It the prayer. Is the, is it, is it because of the words of the prayer? No, just let it come from your heart. Th- these are words just to ask Jesus to come in and change us from the inside out. So can we help them? Can we all pray this together? Let's, let's close our eyes and let's say this out loud together. Say this with me. Dear Lord, Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I believe you're the son of God. I believe. That on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin. To be born again. Now come on, say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.